the IBM Cloud Podcast, coming to you every show with information about new capabilities and releases. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the IBM Cloud Podcast. We're your hosts from the offerings team here at IBM Cloud. My name is Ian Lynch. And this is Steve Choquette. And today, Steve, we're joined back in studio again by Dan and Brianna. Guys, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be back. So guys, as you guys came back, myself and Steve were thinking that, you know, we talk around through this whole series of a lot of new, interesting types of capabilities, technologies, and just really a different way of building applications. I know it's the new and it's the modern way, but for some people, that that can be a little bit intimidating. So myself and Steve thought about asking you guys, starting off with a little bit of a simple question is, is there anyone else that's actually out there to help us? Not anyone else, is there somebody out there that can help? And I guess, sorry, that's the first one is to Brianna. My bad. Oh, it's, it's me. We were, <laughs> we were trying, we were doing, we were doing uh, paper, scissors. Yeah, who was going to answer that one? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, I think uh, we, we were chatting before this podcast, kind of reminiscing of the, the good old days. And we were thinking about why, what is the reason we were able to move so quickly um, for, for our internal team? And we remembered the very first thing we did um, as we kind of reorganized and joined forces was to create a design thinking workshop. And through that design thinking workshop, we were able to get kind of all of our ideas out on the table. We were able to collaborate and kind of really crisp up our objectives. And by the end, we actually wrote down very quantifiable hills that we could say, okay, this is what we're going to deliver. And I think that by making sure that our objectives were super clear from the very beginning, that allowed us, those didn't change. And so we never had any confusion about what we were trying to build, you know, what our objectives were. And no, everybody just moved 100 miles an hour because there was no confusion. And um, we can't, I can't really, you know, I guess, uh, express how important, you know, having crisp objectives is in the very beginning and sort of kind of hashing it out and having the time to hash it out. And so, um, you know, we are we're very fortunate here at IBM because we have such great design thinking. Design thinking is such a big part of you know everything that we do. But we also have you know a whole practice um, around design thinking, which kind of helps us and helps our clients do the same thing. And that's that's our IBM Cloud Garage. Yeah, and I was I was a bit leery about it when we first started because I thought, oh no, we're going to go into a room and we're going to put up a bunch of post-its and it's going to be a big waste of time. Uh, but uh, Brianna is actually quite right here is getting the focus helped us tremendously because it, it was the very early days. We hadn't even written any code. We've done some experimentations, but it's like, what are we going to build? Uh, and how are we going to do that quickly? And, and one of the things that I really liked about the design thinking workshop was that it, it helped us define the MVP. Like what is the very first thing we're going to deliver? Because as a, as, developers, I mean, we're going to try to go put out like the biggest, best thing possible. And it's like, eh, maybe we don't need that. <laughs> maybe we need to focus on something else. So that helped tremendously. And I think it was also having, we had a, you know, we're, because IBM is such a big proponent of design thinking, we actually have facilitators inside of IBM that can help us. And so we had a facilitator that had nothing to do with our team. We'd never met her before. And she was really hard on us. I would say she would yell at us mean. if we didn't, she was mean to us. <laughs> if we didn't do, if we didn't stay on task or if we, you know, sort of drifted away from the, the point of the exercise. I mean, she really was hard on us and we needed that. And you kind of need someone, I think, 
someone that is not as you know close to the team that can say no you're doing this wrong like stay on task and get this part of the exercise done and i think that was it, i guess somebody needed to yell at us somebody is what happened to, yeah, yeah somebody had to <laughs> yeah what's really what's really kind of funny i think is that i feel like i've had the exact same experiences for every design thinking thing you walk in and you go oh okay and then I want to go off task and just solve the problem immediately. But it sounds like you guys had a, uh, you know, the, the sounds like the process works. And every time I've been part of it, the process works. I have a question for you, though. So here it is, June. Um, I think that after, you know, taking some wild trips abroad, you have all of your college and university students who are graduating or starting. How did they find out what took place? However long back you started this whole process, how, do, how does... How does someone brand new tap into the knowledge in the first design thinking session sometime back? You mean like a new employee or, or a new yeah, user? Yeah, somebody that just joined your team that graduated, you know, two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Well, hopefully we don't need to tell them all the crazy things that have happened between <laughs> now and then. But I think that, you know, one of the things that we really... Uh, the principles, uh, the design principles that is, that we've we've really uh, has been the cornerstone of everything that we've done is a flawless user experience. So, you know, and I think that hopefully as you're joining the team, it's almost easier to catch up because a lot of the complexity of the product is really hidden from the from the average user, and hopefully it's it's easier to catch up because it's it's easier to consume and and you know consume our cloud and it's easier to co consume these individual services. Yeah, and uh, some other areas, I think it makes it easier because beyond just the design thinking, I mean, we did organize ourselves into squads within a, a single tribe. And, and while at a leadership level, we define the strategy and direction um, across development and offering management and design where we're going, at the end of the day, the, the responsibilities are pushed down into each of the squads. So as a new team member, you come in, you join a squad, and those squads are very tight groups. They're small, so they can disseminate information very rapidly. Uh, and that helps to bring someone on board quickly. Uh, and the tools that we use for doing development and delivery are very well known and documented, so it's easy to bring them on board. And then we leverage Slack heavily. <laughs> Uh, that is our main communication channel within the tribe and, and becoming the main uh, communication channel across all of IBM. And that really helps individuals jump in and get acclimated. They don't even have to um, really ask questions if they don't want to. They can follow along on some of the key channels and they can see the conversations that are happening. We don't do them in private. A lot of our leadership discussions and things like that are all done in public channels, um, public within IBM, that is. So new team members can follow along and watch. Uh, we have a very vibrant users, both internally and externally, users channels, one of the most active in all of IBM. And that's also another area where people, you could be answering questions there, or just as a new person on the team, you can go out there and watch, see what kind of questions people are asking, see what kind of problems they're having, see what they're doing with the tools. So you can gain a lot of information just from using those tools. Yeah, I was going to I was going to say that too. I think we have a bit of an advantage because most of all of IBM Cloud runs on our service. So, you know, they're constantly asking questions and so we almost have 
um, you know, a larger set of, of sort of friendly users that are going to tell us if something is harder to use or if we need to change documentation. And so that allows us to kind of harden our service faster because we're getting all of this you know, really quality input from, from our own, you know, colleagues around the company. It kind of sounds like your team has set up guys like a microservices architecture. So as you guys are doing that and building that out, I, I mean your team, not, not the actual technology, how do you guys go about figuring out who fits in where, right? So is it you just bunch all the best guys into the top stuff that you guys are working on or is it split throughout the organization? Really, how do you guys set that up for success? Uh, trial and error <laughs> to some degree. Um, you don't always get it right the first time. So then what advice then would you give? Is there, there's no obviously method to it, but based on the lessons that you've learned or you guys have learned from a team. Yeah, so a, a couple lessons that I've learned from a development standpoint uh, is, I mean, you got to make decisions quickly. So having a well-defined set of, like your leadership organization shouldn't be, it's, it's not a democracy. Right. I mean, as much as we love democracies in in this kind of a project, it really cannot be. But there needs to be a well-defined lineage of um, order in which you can make decisions and make them incredibly fast with the limited amount of information available to you. And we're organized that way so we can make decisions very quickly within our team because there's well-defined people in their roles across offering management, development, architecture and the business that we can make a decision incredibly fast with just getting together quick discussion 10 minute discussion we can make a decision and move um the other thing is the individual squads <laughs> one of the things that we fell into a mistake and maybe it's not a mistake but we form these squads and we put people in them and we knew hey their pizza box teams are small six to eight people so we put six to eight people roughly in the same geography and we picked a leader and said, you're the leader, go lead, right? Sometimes that didn't work out. Uh, and at some point in our process, we decided, you know what? We're gonna shuffle things around. So we reorganize, we move people around, put them in different squads. And we decided we're not gonna identify a lead. Just you have members <laughs> and let's see what happens. And the interesting thing is leaders always emerge, but we at the, the the time that we did that and reorganized the second time or third time depending on how you count we let the leaders naturally emerge and that was a healthier balance for us um, because the true leaders actually emerged and it didn't matter what their bands were what level they were in the organization we had very junior people come in and they were elevated to leadership because of that. Um, we also do something else, that, and we've done this more recently, which I think is extremely beneficial. When we have a major feature or initiative that we put in place, we, instead of just saying, oh, that squad does most of the work, so that leader of that squad is going to do the, be leading that initiative, we actually assign someone from the tribe to lead that initiative. Someone on one of the squads, not, not a leader of the squad. Um, just someone that shows leadership potential and excitement about taking on that role, then they take a, they take on the role of leading that initiative, and they're big initiatives. And what uh, what we found is those people they have the time, they have the knowledge, and they really take ownership of it, and they do a fantastic job, much better than 
if you would have given it to one of our own like leaders, if you will, like if you give it to myself or or one of the other like lead architects, they're just so busy they cannot contribute that amount of time. So leaders, there's so many opportunities to lead. It doesn't have to be you're leading a team. Well, that's an interesting point too, is that, you know, I think too, in any sort of complex, uh, you know, architecture or a complex um, larger company, you know, there's, there's, you kind of have to influence. You don't always, it's not right. that people are necessarily reporting to you, but you kind of have to influence your own team and other teams. And so, having that diplomacy and sort of, you know, it's not easy, right? And no. so you have to kind of have enough, uh, it's, it's, of course you have to have the facts and the credibility to, to be in that role, but then also enough diplomacy to to get folks to kind of get on board with with your thinking. And it takes some finesse too, because sometimes you, you can tell that people are making the wrong decision. Sometimes you have to take a step back and let them make that wrong decision and realize why it was wrong on their, by themselves. And sometimes when you thought it was wrong and, Sometimes you are wrong as a leader. So um, backing off, providing that, I agree with you, providing that guidance and just letting the teams make their decisions, bring their case forward, and then deliver the best architecture and experience possible. So it, it sounds like, uh, it, in some ways, it sounds like uh, a podcast on Good Management 101. Uh, because, you know, you're letting the teams and you, you're, you, you know, make decisions, you're assigning... Um, you know, people are, are taking leadership responsibilities, even though they don't necessarily wear a title. If if I were standing back and looking at this, uh, say an outside organization that wants to do uh, build cloud native applications, are there roles that need to be key? That you know, no matter how big my organization is, I need at least one of this and two of that. Yeah, I guess there there are some. I mean, you you have developers uh, on the squad. You you have to have an offering or product uh, project manager, um, product manager. Those those roles are critical just to keep the ship moving forward. Um, obviously, you need someone responsible for the business. Oftentimes, that is the offering manager that provides that role. Outside of IBM, and it's called product management, but it, right. we we like to rename things here at IBM, so of it's called offering management here. <laughs> But yeah, so you kind of need a, that North Star of like, here's what we're trying to do, here's our priorities. And then, you, of course, you need, we, we usually kind of have at least uh, a designer, if not a team of designers, oh, designer. and then you know our, our development team. So that's sort of the, the base. And then you, you do have SRE uh, as well, which is site reliability engineers, sometimes considered your operations. But in our, when you're doing cloud native and what we do is the developers are the operators. So I don't like making that split. Uh, SREs fundamentally provide support for the infrastructure in which we run in uh, and really provide that first line of defense. So you have to have an SRE lead. You also, I highly recommend a uh, security compliance lead, somebody that knows compliance, knows security, and ensures that you're building the right, uh, the right architecture to fulfill your compliance needs, but also ensures that you're following processes properly. You have them well-defined and that you're following them. Otherwise, it's going to be very difficult to be compliant in a cloud-native environment. You would think that person would be kind of the enemy, but actually it's the reverse. You're, yeah. you know, usually we're so happy that that person is helping us to, you know, kind of stay clean and make sure that we're doing everything the right way. Well, so. they're, they're doing the roles that 
I don't want to have exactly. To. <laughs> I don't want to have to do that either. <laughs> but it's funny that that person's usually the hero instead of the the most hated person on the team. So it's <laughs> it's interesting how that works. So guys, what's the biggest lessons learned then from running like this that you guys have seen and you could offer advice to everyone that's listening? Hmm. You know, it's, I, somebody was telling me recently that they read an article that the most important person on the team is the is the is the class clown or the humor person, and I think that everybody in our team brings that because it sort of it sort of diffuses any tense situations. And you know, look look, this is a pretty important <laughs> business. It gets tense yes. sometimes, you know. Um, and so I do think we, everybody from the team, I don't think I have a meeting any, any hour of any of the day where we don't laugh about something and we might be laughing at each other, but we laugh about something. Yeah. Usually we are. And I think that's important. You know, we have to be really passionate about, you know, what we're doing, but we also have to bring some humor to it. So I think that those traits are really, really important. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And, and and we learned this early on as well. You you do have superstars on the team, but those superstars cannot do everything. You cannot, because you're building, especially if you're building a large service, a globally dis, uh, distributed service, those heroes, if you will, cannot do everything. You cannot scale that knowledge if those individuals are always involved in every single design, decision-making, everything. Um, so in that situation, you have to find ways to distribute the, the work and more than more importantly, distribute the knowledge and the leadership characteristics. And the superstars um, never want to let go, typically. So I think don't. that they never want to let go. They don't want to let anybody make a, a decision other than right. them. So that's always the hard well, thing, right? But we have found, though, that, and the funny thing is, that that was always the case early on, but when it got too intense. Yes, there's a breaking point. And they point. couldn't sleep, there is a breaking point. Uh, and you will have that breaking Those breaking points are, while they might seem horrible when they're happening, they actually are necessary for the team to grow because you come to a realization that you're doing something wrong and the breaking point forces you to change because you realize you can't continue like that anymore. Um, so don't, don't think these breaking points are actually bad things that happen while you're going to cloud. They're good, but you better learn from them because you, you can't have them happen again. <laughs> Never again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, as we kind of finish out here, I mean, our next episode is going to be about Chris and technology. But if you guys could each give like one short walk away that you want someone to take away with them and then uh, we'll finish up here. I think you got to be really crisp on what you're trying to build, have very crisp uh, hills and priorities and then just keep moving forward and iterating. I think that's, and I think we were able to do that with design thinking. And um, so I would say, if you if you don't feel like you can do that, get help. And I would say like, we have the, the IBM Cloud Garage, find a way that you can really set crisp priorities. I think that's the best thing you can do for your, for whatever it is you're building. Yeah, and then I would echo along with that is, you gotta scale leadership. Um, provide, trust your individual teams, provide them the responsibility to make their decisions and make their own mistakes. But if, if you have to do that to, in order to scale the leadership so you can move quickly, so you can make decisions locally very quickly that are aligned to the focused goals that you have. Um, and that's how you move quickly. So get help from the garage and trust your leadership. 
Sounds good, guys. Well, guys, as usual and as always, thank you so much for coming on as part of our mini series. And yeah, it was it was great having you on the show. Thank you very much. Thanks. Looking forward to the next one. And guys, myself and Steve, as always, thanks for joining in. See you next time on the IBM Cloud Podcast. <laughs>